From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this Friday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'm Chase Parman. A couple guests for you today. First, you're going to hear from Scott Prey. He's the lead audio engineer for ESPN Monday Night Football and NBA coverage on ESPN as well. He's going to talk to Neil a lot about if uh, no fans are in the stands, the way things can be different for, uh, for sports on television moving forward. So good stuff there with Scott. And then also you're going to get... Uh, a good bit of the conversation that we had uh, on Thursday night with Chris Malloy, the Ole Miss men's golf coach, hung out with us for our hand raised guys special. We had a wine tasting. You can find all that on YouTube. But we uh, we, we kind of pulled out the part with Chris for when uh, he was just in the room with us, us uh, chatting about a number of things, a good bit about uh, coaching, about uh, the last dance. We go through that a pretty good bit, about some of his thoughts on uh, – college athletics at this point as they're starting to ramp back up looks like there could be a decent chance of fall sports this fall as well so we talk about that and much more with uh with chris malloy coming up on the show so those two interviews comprising today's podcast podcast brought to you every single day by the oxford exxon highway 6 west in oxford remember uh memorial day coming up on monday a one day only special 25 dollars for two slabs of ribs 33 dollars for three slabs there at all Blue Sky locations in Mississippi, including the Oxford Exxon, Clark Ford Studio, 662-257-1900, Clark Ford's and Amory. They will take care of you. Corey wants to be your truck guy, wants to be your car guy, so give him a call, get a quote within 15 minutes, and let him uh, handle your car buying business. And then uh, also Scott Prey coming to you from the Raptors Music and Food Hotline, Raptors on the Water, back open. Check out them for a number of uh, great dishes as they uh, – they have outside seating and uh, a good place to get back into the uh, the flow going to restaurants there with uh, with rafters on the water. So we'll kick off the podcast now with uh, our interview with Scott Prey of ESPN. Scott, welcome into the show. Appreciate you spending some time. How are you? I'm good, Neil. Thanks for having me. So you do a lot of NBA uh, production. You do a lot of, uh, of NFL, Monday Night Football, that kind of thing. I guess I'll start here, and I'm not asking to give away state secrets. But what are you, um, what are you kind of hearing from, from the, the ESPN, from the the NFL, from the NBA as to what the summer might look like? Well, from all indications, the NBA certainly wants to restart their season, uh, possibly you know late June, sometime in July, uh, and do it in one or possibly two locations. Uh, they're still talking about playing finishing out the regular season and then going straight into the, into the playoffs. Um, and then uh, what I hear, the NFL really wants to start on time um, with uh, preseason starting in August. So it could get interesting here latter part of the summer if uh, both of those are happening at the same time. So I know you've done a lot of NBA. You've also done some NBA Summer League. I would think that that Summer League stuff is the best preparation for nba games played on uh without fans played you know in a pretty intimate environment if they play in las vegas if they play in orlando i would assume that you know like they might play at mgm grand for example there's not going to be fans in the in this in the arena it's not going to be a big 
NBA arena like the Staples Center or something that we're used to, do you do you have enough experience doing that to feel confident that hey, we can make this a pretty good television product? And then what are the things that concern you? Well, uh, that's a good point. That summer league would be the closest uh, replication of, of what, what we might encounter. However, there's actually a pretty decent fan base that attends the summer league games. And you compare that to to act, uh, having no one in the stands, it's it's really a it's really a huge difference. There's there's a couple of things that concern us. Um, well, I, I think you have to look at it from a few different perspectives. Um, the first perspective would, would be that of the players. Um, you know, there's there's a reason they call it home field advantage, right? Yeah. Um, the, 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 the players feed off that energy of the crowd. And then, uh, you know, from our announcers, um, you know, I was listening to, uh, I don't know if you saw uh, Brad Noble's show, um, on HBO Inside Sports, he had our NBA announcer, Mike Green, and also had on Joe Buck and Jim Nance. And Joe Buck brought up the point, you know, that he likes to hear that crowd, that that, that fuels his energy. And, and it's true for, for all the announcers. Um, you know, as the excitement of the arena builds, their excitement builds. Um, so, you know, and that translates also to the home viewer. Uh, the crowd is such a really an integral part of the whole experience um, that if it's not there, it, it, it's, it's going to be a t- completely different animal um, from that standpoint. And then there are some technical challenges that are also associated with it. There's, there's one good side of it. Um, if, when, if I'm mixing a show and I'm, and I'm not competing with, with a, a, a large crowd that, that, you know, big noise floor, um, then I'm able to pick up more cool sound and stuff off the court or the field because I don't have the competition of that crowd. So I can, you know, I can hear the bounce of the ball better. I can, you know, I can hear the kick of the ball better, whatever, whatever it may be. And, and that's good. Um, but it also opens up a couple of, pro- a, couple, a couple of problems, uh, well, one is one is a, a, a problem for me as as a as a mixer as an engineer as I use that that bass crowd back bed um, when I'm changing mix sources when I'm emphasizing going from one mic to another that covers my my mix so you don't hear me making those transitions so much but the bigger problem I think it also opens up is there's quite quite often some colorful language yes that emanates emanates from the floor or the field it, it, you know especially in an NBA environment because you are so up close you know there's you know I was just thinking of the math there's rarely a time that a player is not 10 or 12 feet from a microphone um, on the floor somewhere. So that, that in itself becomes a problem. And, you know, you, if you have to beat that out, censor it in some form, um, makes for, you know, a little bit of choppiness. So you're saying that often the language is not something along the lines of why LeBron, that was a very nice shot that you just made. It, it's a little more colorful than that. And occasionally they drop some words in there that you would need to, to try to dump out. Correct. Yes, that that does happen. It certainly does. How how would you do that? I mean, I've as someone who's been near the floor uh, a handful of times for NBA games, and I know exactly what you mean. The language it's just the way players play, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Russell Westbrook goes in for a dunk, and and uh, he gets hit, and 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 he says 
and one, and then he screams F you and F this. <laughs> and how, well, how do you, how, right. how do you do that where it's not uh, um, taking away from the broadcast? Well, unfortunately, I think no matter what you do, it would take away from the broadcast from the broadcast to some extent we do um run our nba shows through a delay um and so someone back uh at the network actually has a, a button we call the plunger um and when they they hit that button um we try not to be too technical about it it takes my court effects mix away and just puts in a general crowd bed which we won't have anymore um and uh, replaces that part of the mix with just some general sounds, but it, it's still disruptive. Um, you know, there there are those who are proposing that we actually use artificial crowd um, in our mix. Um, that's something I'm generally opposed to. Um, you know, a, a crowd. You know, there are people who actually do that for award shows, um, you know, sitcoms, whatever. But, you know, a, a sitcom it, it is a stage play. You, you, you know, it's not real. Uh, but we are documenting a real event that's happening in real time and that, you know, people may be looking at uh, 50 years from now, um, not only for what might have happened in the, in the play, you know, that it, something really cool happened, um, sports-wise, um, but also that that this is a, uh, you know, that we're going through a pandemic, and this is what it is. We're playing sports without a crowd due to this health situation. Um, so, for a couple reasons, you know, those reasons, I'm I'm opposed to that. I've been doing some a little bit of research, and you know, some places across the world that are starting to, you know, to open up. Uh, you know. Fox Sports Australia, um, with their um, football starting up, they've they come up with some cool ideas um, to actually integrate with the House PA um, for the House PA to kind of take over that that cr uh, the crowd, not, not pumping artificial crowd in, but swelling up and down the the music or what music is played at what point um, to emphasize excitement. Um, I think that's a pretty good option. Um, I was just reading, um, you know, the uh, Ger German soccer league, European football over there. Bundesliga. Actually, Bundesliga, thanks. I, I couldn't pronounce it. Um, they are actually offering the viewer um, an alternative, a dry without crowd broadcast and one that is supplemented with crowd. So, you know, and I, I think, you know, as far as the company I work for, you know, ESPN, ABC, those those decisions will probably made at a, be made at a very high level um, in the network. Um, how we actually implement that um, is yet to be determined. Um, you know, there, there's so many moving targets right now. We, we, everyone's kind of writing the book as we go. Um you know, so it's, it, it, it's going to be interesting. It's funny you mentioned the, the the announcers and having to generate excitement. I've watched some of the Korean baseball organization games that ESPN has done, and the announcers obviously are back in the states and they're they're in mm -hmm. different markets. And uh, Eduardo Perez is is very good, and, and some of those some mm -hmm. of the guys that do it. But you're right. It it there's a certain and with Korean baseball, it feels appropriate. There's a certain laid back 
kind of, hey, we're, right. we're, we're watching this game. You know, no one really cares who wins uh, Latte Giants versus, uh, you know, the, the, the in, NC or whatever it's called, Dinos. But, yeah, it's baseball. Let's talk about it, and, and we can have some fun. And it's been kind of, like I said, a, a laid-back presentation. If this, if tonight were the NBA Western Conference Finals, and let's say it had gone by chalk and it's Lakers-Clippers at the Staples Center, it's gonna be mm-hmm. gonna be electric. It was going to be, you know, the announcers were were gonna be pretty jacked up from from the opening tip all the way to the final buzzer, and that's the intensity that, as a fan, and I'm certainly an NBA fan, that's the intensity that I'm I'm used to, that I'm, I I feed off of, that I'm I'm into the game. I do wonder how the announcers are going to to generate that level of excitement there, if they're courtside, without their commentary being disruptive almost to the play or if if the if if the announcers will be at a remote location i, I it's i don't know and then how do you how do you make that be as dramatic as the the stakes should be i mean if it's the western conference finals and it's lakers rockets or lakers clippers or whatnot it there's there's a certain degree of of drama and that's built into that naturally that I don't know that you can replicate when that game's played in Las Vegas in an empty arena and the announcers are uh, in, in New York or Los Angeles or something calling the games remote. I just think it's going to be such a challenge. It is going to be a challenge. And I think the short answer is I don't think you would really be able to replicate that. You know, it's just going to be a different environment and it's going to be a you know a different game unfortunately um and the chances are um and, and mike brain mentioned it on uh gumble show uh when and if the nba restarts um there's a good chance that like the baseball announcers for the uh, korean baseball um you know that our announcers will actually be at their homes um and of course that presents technical challenges of its own. I just was on a webinar uh, where all that was being discussed. Um, And the technology, of course, exists for that to happen. You're seeing it on, you know, virtually every every news show now and sports shows, you know, that, you know, that the the talent, as we call them, are at home. Um, But unfortunately, I I don't think you're going to be able to have that level of excitement um, without the announcers on site without the crowd being there. Um, you can do some tricks, you know, like I was talking about with the PA to get some energy up there. We you know with some, uh, you know, scripted times when you play, you know, certain cuts of music, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but unfortunately, I, I, the experience is going to be different for everyone involved. What about with the NFL when that gets going? And I don't think there's any question the NFL is going to get going. It's going to get going on time. Mm-hmm. I think as of today, and again, this this might change. We're taping this on May the 20th. On July the 20th, we might be singing a, a completely different tone. But uh, I think if it started today, they would play the games. And, and based on what they're seeing right now, the games would be played with socially distanced crowds. Do you, do you make the crowd a, a part of the story, or do you – pretend that it's not there and just focus on NFL football? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, that's more, I see, you know, the whoever the coordinating producer or producer of that show, you know, what are they going for here? I can imagine in the beginning um, that you would want to document the fact, you know, that 
that, that, that there's no crowd here because you're you're telling a part of history. Um, but as it goes on, I think then you would want to get away from that. And you know, we already, you know, on broadcast when framing camera shots, we we try not to shoot empty parts of the of the, the stands. You know, we want it to always appear like there's some some activity in the frame. Um, but it's gonna that would be virtually impossible to do, of course, in an empty stadium. Um, so unfortunately, there are no easy answers, and I'm sure whatever, however we start, you know, we're going to have to adapt. I'm sure we won't have the answer right off the bat. Um, that it'll be a, um, a a process of how we develop um, our techniques and our systems um, to try to give the, the viewer the best, you know, the best experience that we can. More people will be watching your product than ever before. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> yeah, when, 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 right. when sports comes back, I mean, I, the one thing that I think's come out of this is we've seen uh, that maybe people don't even care right now about some of the production value. It's just, ah, hey, sports, it's live, I'll watch. Uh, you know, you saw that with uh, some of the NASCAR stuff last week, you know, where it, it, right. it certainly looked different, yet their ratings were off the charts. You mentioned Bundesliga. It drew a point uh, three three on a Saturday morning in America, which is crazy. Wow! I mean, right. you know what I mean. I mean, I mean, people think, well, that's not a big number. It's Saturday morning in America, the hell, it's not. That tells you. I mean, it's like eight <laughs> times what it normally is. People are starving right. for sports. Yeah, they are. They are. In fact, a webinar I was just uh, a part of not too long ago. We were we were discussing the fact that. We hope that during this process that we aim to keep our production value as high as possible, that we we don't take the easy way out, um, that we effort uh, to our best ability to keep production value at a high level. Uh, last couple of things I'm curious. So what are some games from your career? I know you've been all over. You've, you've, you've uh, worked some, some huge games. In the in the heat of the moment, do you ever get caught up in the in the drama or, or the or the you know the the stakes, the outcome of a of a playoff game, of a championship game, or are you able to so lock in on your work that you, you don't you don't even notice it? I do notice it. Uh, I try not to focus on it too much because then my my focus will be in the wrong place, and I'm liable to miss a cue or something. But you know there there are certain ones that stick out um, that. You know, it was really, they were really good to be a part of. You know, m most recently would have been uh, the Kobe Bryant game, as we'll call it. You know, when the Lakers played their their, their first home game after you know Kobe passed away. Um, um, that was that was a special night. Um, <clears throat> another of my favorites, of course. You know, being a, a lifelong Saints fan, um, you know the the reo reopening of the Superdome um, that night. Um, was, was certainly special and back uh, many years ago when I used to do Major League Baseball um, the Cal Ripken game when he set the record oh yeah um, I, I, yeah that, that was a that was a special night so those are those are three that really stick out to me in my mind um, but uh, yeah I do get caught up into it somewhat but uh, try not to on uh, like Monday night football when when you guys all get together the night before, is it is it pretty much just what's that? I guess what's that schedule like for a Monday night game for the crew? 
Uh, for Monday night, um, we our trucks park on uh, Friday afternoon. Um, we have, of course, the same trucks show up uh, at every venue. Um, use the same trucks week to week, which is sometimes quite an effort in itself. Truck drivers having to drive 2,000 miles to get all across the country to get the trucks there on time. Uh, the trucks park on Friday afternoon. Um, I travel and uh, a few of my team travel on Saturday morning. We start work Saturday afternoon. Um, I have the rest of the team shows up on Sunday, and when we leave on Sunday night, we we are show ready, um, and we come in uh, for an eight o'clock start. I think we come in up, you know, about noon on Monday and get ready. How much uh, how much interaction do you have with the, the broadcast crew itself? I know that's been a, a big topic over the last few years. Who actually is on that crew and some of the changes that get made to it? How, who are some of the favorite guys that you've worked with? Oh, gosh. Uh, be careful who's listening to this. Uh, one of my favorites of all time um, would be uh, Mike Tirico, um, who unfortunately for us is over at NBC now, but he's just such an incredible, kind man. Uh Chris Berman um, is always a favorite, fun to joke around with. Uh, he, he actually, you know, how he has nicknames for, you know, different people. He, he called me uh, Scott Let Us Pray. <laughs> so, um, but, <laughs> so those, you know, and, of course, I love um, Mike Breen on NBA. He's just really so fantastic at his job um, and just a good guy. But, you know, it, um, most of the – Folks I work with are great, you know. Um, you know, Joe and, and uh, Joe Tess and, and Booger will not be on Monday Night Football next year, but they were great to work with. Um, and I don't always see them, but uh, uh, we talk back and forth. I, I talk in their ears to, uh, you know, check them in, make sure everything's good with them, and uh, they they talk back to me, and it's uh, it's usually a, a, a very nice relationship. Well, Scott, I really appreciate the time, and I certainly hope you are back to work soon. I hope we're all back to work uh, covering football games and baseball games and basketball games and whatever kind of game it needs to be so that we can start getting kind of back to normal in our line of work. I know we all miss it, and the people who who consume our work miss it as well. So thanks again for the time. It's my pleasure, Neil. Thanks so much for having me. Bye-bye. Thanks to Scott and Neil for that portion of the show. We're going to get back right into the interviews. And uh, this time it's Chris Malloy, Ole Miss men's golf coach. Again, if you want to hear all of Thursday night, you can do that on YouTube. It is uh, embedded on our message board as well. But for the uh, the non-wine tasting portion, here is uh, here is Chris Malloy with uh, myself and Neil McCready. Because everybody knows that. college coaches cheat. So, I mean, it's, it's all good. I mean, whatever. They work around the rules. Rules, schmools. I'm a golf coach. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just today we've we've heard all about all the tampering allegations that are going on, and so I mean, I know you you're calling golf players at Arizona and Michigan, and you're just calling to say, <laughs> hey, just in case, you know, would love for you to join the Rebels. I mean, I've seen your I've seen your calls. I know how that works. I'm thankful to have a job at this point. I, 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 there will be no rule breaking here. That is one thing. I mean, all, all, all jokes aside, I mean, we're going to get to a lot of different stuff, just kind of play around a little bit the rest of the show. But you are, you're seeing schools drop sports, seeing different things. I mean, there is a certain, thankfully for you and everybody else, there's a little more security at SEC schools, the Power Five schools, where 
you're you're thankful, but you're not necessarily right now putting your head on the pillow at night, going, "Hey, this thing tomorrow could get cut." I would I, I, I would think, right? No, I don't think anybody is. Um, you know, just in life. I mean, I don't care if you're college golf coach, college football coach, you own hotels, you own restaurants, you own, like. It, it, it doesn't matter what you know what realm of life uh, that you know that you're in, what business you're in. Um, it's a tough time right now, mm-hmm. and uh, these are all first world problems, right? And and uh, uh, it, it, as far as where we are and and what we're doing as you know, collegiate athletics, you're right. It, it you know football is is going to drive the boat, and I, I think we're all you know hopeful um, and and optimistic that uh, everything uh, kicks off. No pun intended um, on schedule in the in the fall, but you know, we're just sitting back, especially as a golf coach and, and, and waiting and seeing. Yeah, it's on the, yeah. You know, I was asked a second ago, they asked us in the, in the thread about an hour ago, if we could, if we could just get you to call Kepka, we'll talk to him for a little while on, on the show tonight, but in all seriousness, he put that thing up on Instagram, speaking of wine and steak or anything, could you not get your boy to eat a medium rare steak? That thing was well done charred, like the bottom of a shoe. It was terrible. Yeah, it was really, really bad. And, uh, and, and I happened to be cooking a steak that night. So I sent it to him and said, <laughs> this is how it's properly done, but, <laughs> you know, but it was bad. It was, it was beyond bad and uh hopefully you know thank goodness he makes his living uh, not as a chef as uh, you know as, as a professional golfer yeah you, you uh speaking of though you've gotten into the into the grilling into the cooking a little more here during the uh the, the pandemic you you bought the grill that's cheating uh you and i talked about it like a month ago you yeah. you basically just let the thing on your app do it like i was telling you like i'm dealing what with you the, buy? i'm dealing with the egg where we got knobs and levers and we're trying to get this thing right malloy just kicks up in his recliner watches how the meat cooks on his phone and hits a button when to turn it <laughs> off yeah i'm doing I'm, I'm doing a lot of wi-fi cooking <laughs> it's what i call wi-fi cooking so i got a Rectech 700 right so i was going to get a pellet, you know, a pellet grill, and a lot of my friends have have uh, talked about the Traegers and all that. So I started to do the research. I waited on the stimulus check to come, right? I mean, I was trying to figure out, you know, and and uh, finally uh, that came, and and I said, okay, like I can probably afford to, you know, to do this. So uh, how'd you convince it, the wife that was the way to spend the fourteen hundred or whatever it was? Yeah, I was asking for forgiveness at that point okay. in time, right? It wasn't permission; it was forgiveness. Uh, we're getting over that currently. Uh, we're going to get through that. Uh, but uh, it's awesome. I mean, and, and again, I'm not uh, naturally a griller, and I, I've, I've gotten into it. I had a, a big green egg, uh, so I, so I kind of latched onto that over the last few years. And at the, the start of the pandemic, um, I, I really latched onto the green egg, uh, switched over to this rec, uh, rec tech. Uh, and, and again, I think, you know, if you get that, a Traeger, there are probably a couple other ones that are out there. Um, and, uh, you know, so I decided to go with that. Uh, it and it's been awesome, right? I mean, you're you're sitting back and you're watching. It's a bar graph. It's literally a bar graph. You seen this? No, it shows you. Oh, I'm going to show you. It's it's <laughs> off the chart. So I start I start this you know thing and and I go to 225, and then I and it has room for two uh, meat probes that you know connect into the grill, which connect into your app, and it's a bar graph that shows you what it's doing. So I had two Boston butt, three Boston butts on last night, and meat probes in two of them, and. From ten o'clock last night, I woke up this morning at like six thirty. Didn't even get out of my bed. <laughs> I swear, didn't get out of my bed. And I looked, I pulled up my phone. I was like, "Oh, okay, that's cool." They're there, one sixty two, and one's at one sixty four. This is perfect. I can go back to sleep for a little while. And I have alarms, you know, when they hit to hit a certain point. So yeah, it, it is cheating, but it I'm is fine. perfectly cooked. I mean, I'm telling you, it, it is perfectly cooked. Correct. I've seen your photos, but. 
you don't get the same. Did, did you still get the same feeling of accomplishment when you're done? Or you don't get the hell same thrill because you don't put the work in. I mean, well, let me tell you something. I, I, I tell you, what, I, you let, me, let me tell you, boys, what a good feeling is. Is biting into a good steak or biting into a great, you know, Boston butt. That is because what you're avoiding is the terrible feeling of overcooking the damn thing. Correct. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, that's right. what you're narking out. Is you've got that nice piece of meat and you're just praying to the gods when you slice it open that that thing's going to be the right shade of pink or whatever you're doing. No doubt. I don't need any of that stress in my life. I'm a coach. I listen, I'm a college golf coach that coaches 18 to 22 year olds. I got enough stress in my life, boys. I don't need another one every time on a grill. Every time your phone rings on a Saturday morning at 12.07 a.m., you're like, oh, God. Uh-oh. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not good, and, and thankfully my guys are good. But, again, I'm not looking for more stress. I'm looking to ease things. i tell you the other thing that I've, I've, I've really gotten into the last two years is sous vide, right, and, and cooking – you know, in in the back is weird, right? And it's bizarre sitting there putting a steak into a bag and putting it in, you know, in into water and cooking it that way. And then, but I you know, finish it on a cast iron skillet. Um, it is. You talk about dummy proof. That's that's as dummy proof as it gets. But that's that's kind of where I've gone to do all my steaks on. So you have a sous vide as well, because mm-hmm. that's the next thing I'm thinking about getting. Because you're right. So with steaks, now me personally. I can go anywhere from medium rare all the way to medium, and I'm good. My wife would like for the cow to just barely be dead, and every degree past that is disastrous. And so if I serve her a medium steak, she she's upset. I mean, not not, and she won't express it that way, but I mean, she doesn't. She she would she wants it medium rare minus. Yeah, then that's probably your problem with it. It was going to be so with the sous vide, you can get that exactly where you want it, sear it, and done. You can get it exactly where you want it, but if you have people that have different tastes, you got a problem. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. problem because it takes so long. Yeah, it's not like you can take that one off the grill. Um, So I think you know with with that. So if I had people that wanted you know steaks done, uh, you know different temps. Then I would have those meat probes in, and you'd be able to take one off of you know that pellet grill. I think. I don't know, for me personally, I'm not advanced enough in the grilling thing yet. Hopefully that I can look at a steak or no and, and, and take it off. So I need to cheat a little bit on that. We never really talked about this with you, Chase. You've got you have you have two big green eggs. You sold no, I one. sold one, so I only have one. I'm all, I'm only at one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yours wow. is a large, right? It is a large, that is correct. Okay. So I've I've got an extra large uh big green egg and I had to adjust from the large to the extra large because it's a lot more surface area, which means there's a lot more heat. And so when you're trying to smoke something at, say, 225, it is a very difficult balance to get it. You know, you'll warm, you'll get your grill going, and getting it down from 400, say, to 225 is a nightmare. I mean, it'll take hours sometimes. So you have to really, the fire building process with, a, with the extra large is a lot more work than the large use. Is it really? Oh, yeah. But once you get it, it maintains that steadiness of the heat more than the, the large did. So, so is the XL, is that the biggest? What's the biggest? Yeah, that's the, the biggest. The XL so is the what, biggest Yeah, one. that's what uh, Matt Mott has. 
and you know, I went over in his. It, that's a, it, that's see, a big he, difference. I, I've had him on the podcast, but he's never invited me over or anything like that. So and he I'm, cooks all the time. That's I selfish. Must not, I must not be cool enough to hang out at his house. Same or, neighborhood. I mean, like that's bad. <laughs> yeah, deal. I know. I mean, we've we've talked on our mountain bikes and stuff, but no, I mean, you know, so whatever. To come over and work out on your tree with you sometimes. You know, Neil's uh, he, he's hooking stuff to a tree out front, and that's how he's getting his workouts in because he's scared of the gym right now. So he's doing all sorts of stuff in the driveway just for all the passers-by as they come through. No, there you go. What has happened each morning, and it's it's listen, it's just part of the deal, is I've noticed that a lot of the, uh, the, the ladies of North Point have stopped, and they've set up their uh, – they've brought their champagne or whatnot, mimosas, and they've set up their lawn chairs, and they've watched me do my workout all, uh, with the, the resistance band wrapped around the river birch tree. And I'm just glad that in this trying time, in this challenging time, that I'm able to entertain. You're giving back to the neighborhood, really. Yeah, it's just what I that's, – that's what I'm trying to do. And, and I have developed quite a workout regimen using a uh, resistance band and a river birch tree. No joke. I really have. <laughs> I've kind of, over the last two months, I've kind of perfected it. And uh, I've, I've, I'm able to do back and shoulders and chest and triceps, biceps to a degree. Uh, I'm, I keep waiting for the tree to die, and, and at that point I will be – in, uh, You're in, expecting the tree to die? No, I'm not. Well, well, huh? Well, just pulling on it all the time because the bark falls off, and so I'm, you know, the the Malloys have a guest house, and I'll just move in; it'll be fine. Golf coach, of course we have a guest house. <laughs> Y'all don't be silly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how much did you when this thing first happened, and we people were saying, hey, you know, there's not going to be a football season in 2020, and. Because there's going to be a football season in 2020. It's going to happen. What it looks like, I don't know, but there's going to be one. But a month ago, if you had told me there's not going to be a football season in 2020, I would have said, well, I mean, I guess I can see it. For someone like you who's built this program, and all jokes aside, I mean, you've built a nationally prominent golf program, and you look around the country and you start seeing different schools, Central Michigan and East Carolina and Cincinnati and stuff, all these schools starting to cut programs that – aren't revenue generating programs it had to be really disheartening right well i mean i think it was disheartening from from the start i mean you know the most disheartening part was you know i i, I have a young team i have a very talented team um and, and traditionally my teams don't play well until the postseason I'm, I'm i'm pretty hard on my guys you know throughout the fall early spring because i want us to take our lumps and and i really thought even if you didn't see it in the results I thought we were starting to play better. And, I, and I'm and i telling you, I know it's easy to say now, but and, and Chase, you and I talked about this, that this team was turning that corner. We were starting to see you know things that, that they were doing in my freshmen and sophomores. Um, and then to have it, you know, cut off like it was, you know, that was the, you know, truly the just, you know, heartening part of it, right? And and uh, going, wow. I mean, like we, we didn't get to you know, see the fruits of our labor and, and, and turn the corner. Uh, then, uh, you know, to your point, um, there was a lot of unknown. Uh, but if you know anything about me, like I don't, I mean, I, I just, I, I don't freak out about it. I don't, I, I don't fret. Can't control the uncontrollable. I, I mean, I can't. And I preach it every single day to my guys. Um, and I've probably started to believe what I'm preaching, you know, maybe. And, and, uh, and I'm not so sure I'm, I'm that way, um, you know, by nature. But, you know, you know, whenever, you know, other coaches would call me and, and listen, it's obvious, you know, what you said and, uh, you know, we're, we're, 
<laughs> we're non-revenue generating sport. I laugh all the time. Like, hey, we're still at absolutely zero season ticket sales, right? I mean, like, you know, there's nobody that makes fun of it more than this guy. I stand up at our all-staff meetings, and anyone will tell you, I'm like, okay, just as an update, like, we still sold. We're, we're, you know, we're holding steady at zero season ticket sales as we have the last... 35 years um we're bringing in no money um so your season ticket revenue has not dropped in in three decades well, it's amazing that's my point we're yeah. trending equally like we are not trending down a lot of other you know consistent programs are yeah. and you know that's where i think we've uh, leveraged ourselves. but uh man i it, uh, again the folks that know know me um i i don't worry about i don't worry about any of that stuff and sure you know certainly you know, I, I listen to your podcast or, you know, Neil, I hear you talk about how, you know, men's golf probably is going to get cut at some point in time, but, uh, he heard that. You, no, you, I didn't. you heard I mean, that back in the day. No, I didn't. About, I mean, about you know, but, but again, I don't let you get me down. I mean, I don't even let yeah. you, you know, well, you that know, rattlesnake that showed up in the mailbox was, it was terrifying. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you should feel bad because my daughter is the one that opened the box that day and it was terrifying. So no, I mean, but it, but it's real. I mean, I, so, you know, well, when you, look around, aside, when you yeah, see the stories though, that I mean, you, you mean, yeah. all jokes aside, people have lost their jobs to this. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I saw, is it Bowling Green? I think shut down baseball, and yeah. I saw the interview with Did the coach. Akron and, cut golf. Is that know, the Akron, one that's you know cut Akron it? just cut uh, you know cut golf, and and you know they have a you know a lot of tradition, but but again, I, I think if you look at it, I mean the writing's on the wall. I don't think we're probably at the end of that for some of these other programs. Thank goodness, uh, you know we're in the SEC. But here's what I tell you: I mean to answer your question, the short answer, if a college golf coach in the SEC ends up you know losing his job, you know because of you know, you know, COVID nineteen. Then, I think we're all in a bad spot. Yeah, <laughs> I think there are a lot of other people that probably have to worry as well. And, um, you know, we'll see. We'll hope for the best. And uh, and again, I, I couldn't think of a better, you know, conference to be in. I couldn't think of a, you know, better school to be at. And and, and you know, listen to you know Keith. He keeps us updated. You know, as you know, as, as coaches. And I know everyone's pulling in the right direction. But there's a lot of unknown, certainly. You want to open a box, Neil? Yeah, and I have to apologize. I did not wear a jersey today. Yeah, Neil's um, supposed to be wearing jerseys every time he's on camera right now for whatever reason. Should I put a jersey on just, you like. just to cover, You want to hand me one and you want to go get a jersey? Cover our base. It'd be weird if you didn't have a jersey on. All right, I'll, I'll throw a jersey on. Uh, I'll, I'll put this Chris here. couldn't even bring you a shark hat to wear. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's – mm -hmm. Well, you got to join the back nine club, right, Chris? You want to give a promo there? You are correct. <laughs> Listen, hey, I mean, hey, y'all are my friends, but, I mean, I can't – I mean, got to join the you know, booster club. Again, I, let's go back to my season ticket sales, guys. I got to make money somehow. <laughs> they do look good though they are they're good they, they are and, and good listen you know and, and, and listen I, I get a lot of heat you know from people all the time that talk about um you know hey you're you know charging x amount to, you know to you know join your club but at the end of the day um you know we're not selling season tickets you know and and, mm -hmm. and again we're a sport that i think we we can be good and, and if you look at the uh, traditionally great programs you know in oklahoma state uh, now you have, you know, Alabama is, is, you know, has got a tradition now, and they have such an unbelievable, you know, private following of and, and support of folks mm -hmm. that have joined their booster club. Um, you know that that's a lot of money rolling in, and and uh, you know helping helping with their program, helping you know with facilities and a lot of other areas. You give a Rebel Grow promo code for people to join. I bet we can throw some people in there. We can still get you some bottom line dollars. I bet we can work something out. No doubt. We can get a deal. Yeah, we can get some deals going. <laughs> I'm seeing that in the stream. That's what people are saying. They're, they're talking about it as we uh, as, we, as, as we go over here. Wait, wait, wait. In, in all seriousness, I mean, what, 
what does that money necessarily go for? Like, what 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 is sort of the the, the from from a booster club from a golf standpoint? What is that typically just from a generic? What what does that what does that do? It goes to a lot of different areas, okay. right? And it's kind of your nest egg that you can you can go and and uh, you know I think a lot of it goes to facilities and making sure that you have everything that you need. Okay. I mean, it can be from a fueling station you know, okay. that, yeah, that yeah. we're trying to build to. Um, as you saw the Tosh family short course, right, and, right, right. And, you know, redoing our range, we're about to redo our building. Um, it can, it, it, you know, can be, uh, you know, different, uh, you know, travel needs, right. You know, team retreats, anything. Um, it's kind of all over the spectrum in, in our deal. Neil's going to open some boxes here in a second. We've got we've got unboxing. You don't even know what's in these things, Chris. It could be much of anything coming out of, of out of out of these. Um, Do we get to guess? This is from. I mean, you could guess. You're going to be wrong, but you can guess. This is from Goodwill Industries of Central Florida. Okay, so I mean, can we? I, I think that'd be the fun of it all. Well, guess. Like, it's like a Christmas box. I mean, you're a kid at Christmas. You get to shake it. Can we all like feel it? It, it feels like a book. Oh, that's a book. Is it a book? It's a book. So what's oh. it a book about? Like, when, well, I don't know. The last book was uh, was uh, How to Cook Cock book. I mean, it's definitely a book. Yeah. So, wait, good, who is it from? <laughs> we don't know. That is, it, a lot of times we don't we don't have an answer this there. This is from uh, Goodwill Industries of Central Florida. So possibly Mickey Mouse. Uh-uh. Possibly something to what do, do with the University of Central Florida. Orlando Magic sports motivational book. Sports motivational book is is uh, the guess. I'm scared. What is it? Ah, uh, sports motivational book. It is. This is uh, a book called <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> Flim Flam. <laughs> <laughs> The truth behind the blind faith culture that led to the explosive NCAA investigation of Ole Miss football. (laughs) Rebel Grove Grove Book Club. Book for June. I'd burn that thing. It took three or four weeks to actually get that. I'm surprised. Although somebody had to pay money for it. You have any hand sanitizer after that one? Yeah. You follow all that stuff, Malloy. You're not a big internet guy. Like you're, 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 you're not getting in the mud for all that kind of scrap, are you? <laughs> I don't. I don't listen. I, I, I'm concerned about what I do, and uh, and and uh, and again, people are crazy out there, and like it's. I'm, I'm not concerned what their thoughts are. So why did it have a goodwill thing on it, though? Seriously, like where did that come from? Uh, I told you somewhere in Orlando, okay. Central Florida. It is beautiful cover art. I mean, I mean. It's just the, the whole the whole tampering thing is idiotically stupid. Of course, the players know each other. Are you aware of what's going on, Chris? I am not. Okay. Oh, I'm you, not. I wish I were as blissfully ignorant at this point because so a couple of state football players are potentially transferring to Ole Miss, um, or mm-hmm. at least in the run. They've gone to the portal, the whole deal, and uh, a state media member is claiming that Ole Miss is tampering because of one of the players' high school teammates who is Ole Miss told him he ought to come to Ole Miss. Players can't tamper. Your high school teammate yeah. saying go to a school does the, not mean tampering. Players, aren't you on the transfer portal? I mean, I, I'm I, I'm not. If if you're on the transfer portal, if like you're in the transfer portal, schools can contact you. But right. the, the the allegation is that there was tampering before the kids oh. got in the portal. And 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 Robertson here, the uh, esteemed author of this best-selling book, Flim Flam, he is accusing 
the he is saying that the the Ole Miss players who have contacted the Mississippi State kids are violating NCAA rules, which is not true, unless there is documentation of say an Ole Miss coach saying, "Hey, uh, John Rice, give him a call and tell him we want him to be a rebel." Yeah, you know. And I, I know this is an area that you probably don't feel like getting into, so I'll, I'll <laughs> no, do this. I mean, I'll yeah. do this for you. It's it's the paranoid obsession of some with this rivalry is it's getting a little ridiculous. This is this is a lot ridiculous. I'm assuming it doesn't bleed over into golf very much at this point. Uh, no, so. they're good guys, and and, uh, and and again, they're a coach I have a good relationship with, and you know, no, I mean, and, and you know, to go back to it, you know, when I was here. You know, those guys were, you know, some of our closest friends. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like we, we played a lot of the same tournaments. We were very regional, um, you know. So it's hard for me to really grasp that. Can't I mean, relate listen, to that I mean, very I get well. It. I'm yeah, an oldest yeah. guy. You know, I went, you know, and you know, bleed red and blue and and all that. I just, yeah, I don't, I don't really get it. And hopefully, it gets to a healthier spot at at some point. You know, for, you know, for sure. Still toxic. No matter who the coaches are, still toxic. And hopefully, our, I mean, do you guys agree that, you know, with, um, you know, Leach down there and, you know, Kiffin here, that potentially helps it? From a school standpoint, yes. Yeah. You just got to keep the – it's it's the media crap. Here's, that the, is the, here's the thing is that Matt Luke and Joe Moorhead were civil. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They were they were, they were were okay to each other. They, yeah. I never sensed that the two of them were about Yeah, we're to, a long way from the freeze, mullin, kind of whatever school-related stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since then. Well, and you can – you know – I think if you look back to it, as you know, you can see how it, you know, uh, trended to to a bad spot. Um, hopefully, yeah. you know, hopefully, with, you know, with, with with Matt and you know, you know Joe Moorhead, even though they're not you know here anymore, um, that help mm-hmm. you know turn it in the right direction. And you know, these two now will you know will continue to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult for me to imagine a scenario where Kiffin and Leach are screaming at each other over the <laughs> I agree. over the egg. It, Mullen started it. They'll probably fly to Florida together when the season's over. Yeah, Mullen started it. Ole Miss escalated it. Mississippi State escalated it again, and then it it got ridiculous. Yeah, I think it's going in the right direction. I, re- I really do. What else you got? No, this no. is a. Uh, it's <laughs> another book. It's another book. It's from Reach Around Books in uh, St. George, Utah. Okay. Why are we getting so many books this week? Usually it's caps. Caps has been our thing so far. Any guesses on what the book is? I'm scared of this one. Have you played any golf, Malloy? Are you actually get out there any? I am playing more golf than I, mean, I, th- I played six rounds of golf in 2019, and uh, I've I've played quite a bit since this all started. I, I play about every Friday, so you know. Uh, oh, you've got Davis. your little grudge match going. Oh, it's you? a bad deal, boy. Yeah, tell I the mean, people. Oh, it's a bad deal. So, so uh, you know, Kermit uh, and his, his son-in-law Fletcher Johnson, a hell of a golfer, is, who is a great golfer. He yeah. played at state. I think he's won the Mississippi Am before. He's won the state Am. Yeah. And and an even better dude, right? Uh-huh. I mean, he's just yeah, yeah. he's the nicest guy. So he, you know, they they've started to come over on Fridays. So uh, Kermit, myself, and uh, uh, Luke Chambly, yeah, and uh, and I have have taken them on, and, <laughs> and for whatever reason, you know, Luke has turned into a god, you know, on this deal. And when I tell you, they have been grudge matches, and 
uh, trash talking from, you know, the first tee. And thank goodness, with the exception of one of them, we got them pretty good one time, but the rest of them have pretty come close. down to 18. And then two or three of them, if we've had five of them, two or three of them have gone to extra holes. Okay. The comebacks, we've had chip-ins on 18 and, and all that, you know, and, and, and the – um, you know, they got to get us donuts in the morning. Donuts um, in the morning. You know, that's and, the thing. And that's, that, it's a bad deal. My kids like it, but uh, it's it's been a blast. Uh, it's kind of kept us in it. Um, and, and, again, the reason I stopped playing golf is, you know, when, like if I'm not playing at a higher level or if, you know, there's no competition. You get bored. I get bored. I get really, really bored. So, um, and I'm not – I can't play with my guys because they're a lot better than I am. Um so we've had a blast. It's it's been cool. So we played about once a week. Well, uh, I, I think I asked you like we, we played in a charity scramble together last summer. I think I picked you up. And I said, how many times you played? And you said three, and one of them was Augusta National over the last year. I think that would have been your year. I was like, well, shit, Chris. Okay, I, I've played good places. No, no, I didn't, I didn't complain about where I had played. I just said I didn't play. A, I haven't played a whole lot. Okay. So I'm telling you, in 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 that one year. And I don't know if it was before or after I've had six rounds of golf and it was, you know, two at Augusta, you know, one at Seminole, two at Pine Valley and two blow country club. That you was two blow country club, you know, something like that. It was crazy. You know, so um again, not you know, not playing a whole lot, but you know, my son Cash is just turned five. He's pretty darn good at it. He loves it. I mean, he wants to play every day, so um, I need to start playing. I will start playing, and, and, and it'll be fun. I think I'll love yeah, playing yeah, with yeah. him. What do you got, Mr. McCready? <laughs> this is a uh, this is a book. It is uh, written by uh, Bemisi Tayanita. Oh, that's got to be Spank the Monkey. It is called yeah. Spank the Monkey Lends a Hand. Oh, yeah. Have you read this book before? Mm-hmm. Have you? <laughs> Whoa, what? What's the what's the deal? Uh, this is called Spank the Monkey Lends Lends a Hand. It is a book about uh, it's it's a it's a work of fiction. I'll read the first few pages. <laughs> uh, if you find yourself alone with much to think about, call Spank the Monkey. He'll come by and help you work things out. Just the other day, while walking on the farm, Spank the Monkey stopped to look in Farmer Johnson's barn. The air in there was warm. It smelled of salt and sweat and lotion. Way back in the corner was a constant, steady motion. The farmer's arm was moving fast. His hands, they looked so worn. Spank the monkey stepped right up and helped him shuck his corn. Okay. Your mind was in a bad place there, Parham. He was just helping the corn. Spank likes to visit Grandpa, who loves his magazines. He has the first one and the last and all the in-betweens. He flips right through the articles until his fingers blister. What he really likes to do is look at all the pictures. When Grandpa gets excited and messes up an issue, Spank is there to save the day with a box of tissue. So is this, I mean, is this a kid's book? This is a kid's book. Yeah. Vinny has a job making sauce for pizza pies. As he cooks, he likes to watch the waitresses go by. Then he grabs his hard salami and he hides it from the boss. Then he goes into the pantry to make some secret sauce. Then he makes a lot of sauce. He whips it up by hand. Spank has seen the waitress. He can understand. Spank. How long is this book? No. Uh, we're about halfway through. I thought oh, you, you were doing three pages. <laughs> yeah, you can, moving on. Yeah, yeah, we can go. To the, hey, we can go to the next. Guess. You're, lo- you're lulling me to sleep here at this point. Ah, uh, yeah. 
So that'll go on the bookshelf. Behind. Which which book took more work, Flim Flam or Spank the Monkey? Well, now that's probably fewer grammatical errors in that one. Well, there's no question that Spank the Monkey is better written. Okay. Yeah, these are the ones I'm interested in now. Like the the bags, we don't. This is from Spirit Shop in oh. Detroit, Michigan. It is uh, made out to uh, the address is Neil Mac Dubuque. I have a thing for the state of Iowa, as you know. I've never been to Iowa, but I'm he, a fan. He, you got a helmet. He watches a lot of Big Ten football, and then when we need like random town in the country to just pull from mm-hmm. to make a point, it's always Dubuque, Iowa, for some reason. That's so, the one we go with. So, yeah, to be definitely a t-shirt. That, yeah. T-shirt. See that. Uh, how about that? That's a great T-shirt. Though. I don't know what the Dubuque is, Rams it appears to be the Dubuque Rams 2020 track team. This is fantastic. Amazing. Good quality. Too. Oh, that's Look at good. That. That's good. Oh yeah. Mm hmm. Solid. That's a good one. That's very good. We are getting a lot of Iowa these days. A lot of Iowa. People respect my love for the state of Iowa. We got a Houston Nut Arkansas hat up here, Chris. We got that going. I like that. I saw that straw hat. Yeah, that came in last week as well. By the way. uh, Can you pull off the straw hat? No, I can't. Can you not? Mm -mm. Not. And I probably should, you know, with the sun that I'm in. You just got my first little deal uh, clipped well, off, like your first oh, did you really? this week, which I mean is pretty good. In you know, fairness, years, I mean, like I've made it a long time without having any of that done. And in fairness to Houston, he started wearing those because he had a deal on his ear. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people made fun of Houston, but there was a practical reason for the hat. I mean, there's plenty of reasons to make fun of Houston. The hat was actually not one of them. It it mm-hmm. it, it made sense, but still plenty of reasons. Yeah, no, you're right. But yeah. Are we doing one more? Or yeah, there's one more. We got one more. This is the fewest we've had in a while. We had like we had ten or so last this, week. This this uh, chase is from Zach Leach. Oh, I, okay, yeah, I know what this one is. In Amory, Mississippi. Yeah, that's not fair. Is it good? Yeah. Huh? It's uh, it's back on the realm of what I thought it was going to be. Zach getting a little promotion for. Uh, he's a baseball coach. Uh huh. He was my he was one of my college roommates. Oh, Zach was one of your roommates? Uh-huh. Okay. So what are some other issues? Like, what do you have – you know, what else is going on right now? We'd love sports, Chris. That'd be great. I mean, we mm-hmm. – uh, it's Fairly all it's board. all legislation related. It's uh, – Oh, do how I? about this? What would you guys think? I mean, sports kind of – oh, yeah, you got a lot of them there. A lot of gear here. It is a Sullivan Alabama High School baseball caps. Chase and Neil, hope you guys enjoy the Sullivan Blue Devil baseball hats. I really appreciate all that you do with the podcast and how you're keeping it going during the COVID uh, 19 pandemic neil I, I know how you really wear a sports jersey to bring a positive vibe help bring sports back to america that's my job the jersey <laughs> in the box is yours to keep thank you i hope you will wear the jersey for one of the hand raised guys podcast you got it it will uh honor all of the high school senior athletes this spring who played their last game and didn't know it was their last game or uh, last time to be a part of a team there are a lot of high school seniors who will not be playing college ball i hope you would do this to honor them zach i will absolutely do that uh that is uh that's cool. He makes note that he's worried about grammatical errors. He said he didn't have Chase proofread it like he did with all of his other college papers at Ole Miss. There, there, there were no errors. So you, that is very, very you true. You did really well. So we got a, a number of hats. There's one for you. Yeah, you got a lot. Well, of they're all fitted. You got to figure out what size you. you okay. You all are. right. Uh, we yeah, got lots yeah. of hats, and uh, I've got a uh, a Sullivan jersey. I'll hold the jersey up so people can see it. It's very nice. It's very nice. 
There's a lot in that box. A lot of stuff. So what did you guys think? You had sports kind of come back on last weekend. I mean, you, I mean, I somewhat sports. You had the you know the match down at uh, Seminole. Seminole. Yeah. Did y'all watch that? I watched yeah. that. Neil watched some uh, some soccer. Watched, watched a little NASCAR? NASCAR. I watched a little NASCAR. I watched one of the races at at uh, Churchill Downs. What happened to me on Sunday was I was in here. I work on 10 Weekend Thoughts on Sundays, and it's usually about a three-, four-hour operation. And uh, I turned on – I'm an NBA guy, so the, the Jordan thing has been fantastic. And ESPN started at noon. They did 10 straight hours. They showed them all, one by one by one, and I got into that. And the other thing that I got into is the MLB Network was showing famous Game 7s. And um, they showed the 1979 Game 7, the Willie Stargell game, between the, the Pirates and the Orioles. And I was telling Chase, it was one of my – I was nine years old at the time. It was one of my first real sports memories, begging my parents, can I stay up and watch this game? And it was Howard Cosell and Willie Stargell hit a home run off Scott, Scott McGregor to win the game at, at the old Baltimore Stadium and – Memorial Stadium. Yeah, and so it was kind of – I grew uh, up an Orioles fan. So. Did you? Yeah, and, and Al Bunbury, the Orioles center fielder, was one of my favorite players, I guess because I had his baseball card, and I liked their hat. And uh, But I remembered that game and cheering for the Orioles that night, and the Pirates won, and uh, so I got, I got lost kind of going down memory lane, and then they showed the greatest game that's ever been played in any sport ever. <laughs> Uh, game seven of the 2016 World Series, Cubs and, and Indians, and so I, I had to watch that because it was on. Otherwise, that's you don't you don't dare not watch. It. We had a meeting with Ross the next morning after Game Seven in the 16 World Series. I picked Neil up, and he was still drunk at 9:30 the next morning. He was <laughs> yeah. he was completely hungover, maybe drunk. Like As you should have been. Though. Just yeah, just, no doubt. I mean, like so, so I watched that. I didn't. So on Sunday, I had actually intended to watch some of the golf, and then I got down that rabbit hole, and, and it didn't happen. But I've watched some of the Korean baseball league. The baseball's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's not it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's not MLB. I've I've enjoyed the broadcast. It's been one of those deals where this I, I didn't know it was a thing. I mean, to be honest. Yeah, this this week has been the most encouraged I've been. Yeah. There's there's it's very clear the NBA is going to come back. I was listening to some NBA stuff today and give them some credit. Unlike Major League Baseball, who appears determined to potentially commit suicide here and not start because of money during a pandemic, the NBA is like, hey, you know what? There's a lot of money on the line. Let's do everything we need to do. What do we need to do? Let's do it. You want to send some of us to Las Vegas and some of us to Orlando? Cool. Let's go play. It's not ideal. There's going to be an asterisk by it. But you know what? Let's get our money. Let's play. And and the NFL, to its everlasting credit, is the king for a reason. And the NFL has said all along, yeah, we're going to start on time and we're going to play. I don't know what the stadium will look like, but we're going to play. So that surprised you with uh, MLB, doesn't it? Right? I mean, it surprised me a little. <sighs> it, 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 it should not. Look, I love Major League Baseball. I love it. But they, the owners and the players, the level of distrust is so unhealthy that they can't understand that this is an opportunity. This, this is what I've been saying they're in a sport that when you and I'm, – I'm probably a little older than you. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 42. Okay, so I'm eight years older than you. When I was a kid, MLB was bigger than the NFL. 
Absolutely. When I was a kid, when the Royals and the Phillies played in the 1980 World Series, it was a damn big deal. Mm -hmm. George Brett, Mike Schmidt, those guys were absolute superstars in the way that NFL quarterbacks are today, in the way that Tiger Woods was in his prime. Cal Ripken. Yeah, everybody. I I was an Orioles fan. I mean, I just – it, it was that way. Everybody knew those guys. And so now that's not the case. Now Mike Trout might be the best baseball player to ever play the game. Statistics say that he probably is. Mike Trout could walk the streets of Oxford, and I don't know how many people would notice him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so here's this opportunity for baseball to go, okay, it's a weird season. Whoever wins the championship, they're going to get a trophy and they'll hold it up and whatnot. And the other 29 teams are going to go whatever. So this is your opportunity to turn the season into a marketing campaign. You've got all these great young players in the game. Frankly, because of all the travel ball and the way that baseball has developed, the game might never have been better. The level of pitching is off the charts. The number of great young hitters, Ronald Acuna and – uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, I mean, just the list goes on and on and on of these great young players. Put mics on them. Let them go play. Let the kids like my son and his friends watch, and they'll they'll be drawn to the young players, especially when they can hear them talk. Turn this in season into a – go from a loss season into a marketing campaign. Invest. It's literally putting money into a 401K. You're not going to see it right away, but let it grow. I keep waiting for them to do that. The NBA, book it. Adam Silver's a genius. I know he screwed up the China thing, but from a marketing standpoint, he's a genius. Watch, when they come back, they're going to have camera angles that are new. They're going to mic up players. They're going to tell the players, hey, man, be cool with the F-bombs and stuff that you normally do. Let's clean it up. This is an opportunity for us to grow. And you watch. They're going to do it in much the same way that golf the other day. right? They put the four players out there on the, on the course. They let them wear shorts. They mic them up. They're going to learn from that. They're going to do it. They're going to let young people get to know these people. This is – we're not it, – it's – it's going to be the hardest part for football. I know I'm going on a diatribe here, but it's the hardest part for football that's going to start up. No one's ever going to remember who won this year other than who wins. Everybody else, it's an opportunity to market your sport. Now, what did you guys get? I mean, you've probably already talked about it this week. Um, What were your takeaways from the last dance? Or favorite moments? I mean – it's one of the best docs as far as executed maybe you've seen from a sports standpoint. And it's one of those deals where I was watching it and I thought from a pure entertainment standpoint, I don't know how it could have gotten any better. You know what I mean? Is is some of it true? Like you're seeing now some people come out and go, hey, you know, maybe this wasn't right or this wasn't right. Who cares? Like that was kind of the point of, I'm just trying to be entertained. I got a better glimpse into one of the most complicated competitive athletes of all time. It was it, it was perfect. I, I I thought that no matter there was so much. It wasn't it wasn't about truth or for fiction. It was about let's get a glimpse into his psyche because that's all that's all you're really looking for is how does he tick? What are you getting out of it from his standpoint? And I think that some people missed the boat on that. Is you were just getting a look into his mind's eye, and that's it, and you move forward from there. That, that's the deal. You know, I wish and they focused on it at a couple of points in time. There you know there were a few takeaways. I thought it was great. I mean, I thought it was awesome. Um, the you know, bouncing back and forth from year to year, I thought was a little confusing. 
at times, you know, you know, for me and, and I guess, you know, if I went back and watched all of them, you know, back to back to back to back to back, you know, maybe it made sense. You know, that was probably the only negative okay. know, part of it. However, if you did watch it back to it, it I'm, I'm with you at first, it was disconcerting when I watched them all in succession, I got into a rhythm with it and I understood it and it was good. It had to be that way, you know, right. I mean, or they wouldn't have, um, but at times, you know, I felt you know, a little bit confused there. Um, the thing that I wish that my players, because somebody asked me the other day, they said, what, what could you take away from that that you would want your players, you know, to to have taken away? And it was the slight. You know, what made really? that guy good? You remember the, you know, part where, you know, he's he's with Ahmad Rashad eating at a restaurant in Utah and they're playing the jazz, you know, and I think it was the beginning part of that series maybe. And George Carl was in the restaurant. It was the, it the was back. it was the year they were playing the Sonics, and they were they oh, were oh yes yeah, okay they, I'm sorry. they were in Chicago yeah and George Carl who's another North Carolina guy left exactly. the restaurant yep. in Chicago and did not speak and didn't he said speak to it's him. all I need it's all I need and he latched onto it and I'm I'm I got goosebumps thinking about it but if you know you know MJ and I've had a chance to you know spend time with him on the golf course and be around and listen. That's what made him good, and that's what makes the best good. That's what makes Brooks Kepka great. He looked. I mean, that that guy loves a slight. He has to find it, and he's got to find it. And you're in in the in the in the you know regular guy. You know, us sitting around. You know, we'll go. Well, yeah, I didn't take what that guy said as a slight, and they just latch onto it and they go, no, 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 no. He meant that. You know, no, no, no. He meant that. You know, he didn't look at me because of that. I'm gonna get them. The Hornets. Series. How much of that is contrived versus there's a switch to flip where no, they really believe it. Like you're not just telling yourself, you've got to believe it, right? I mean, there's a. Well, I mean, I like just, like a Brooks you, or a Jordan or you just something need like fuel. that. Fuel. Yes, I'm saying. Yeah, like, you're, just, you're just putting fuel in the engine. But you got to convince yourself it's real. Is my point. One hundred percent, they believe it. But again, it's that's so hard to do. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I can do it. Too. I mean, I think I'm fairly good at it. I'm. I, I tell people all the time. I, I'm a terrible loser, right? That's my best quality, and, and that's probably what makes me a, a semi-decent coach, not an SEC coach of the year, like our women's coach, but um, <laughs> it makes me a semi-decent you know, coach on this. And it's what made Jordan great. It's what made him great. I mean, it wasn't, you know, and, and I tell you the guy that, that's really good about that too, um, you know, so on the PGA Tour, Billy Horschel. Really? And, and I, I, listen, I, I like Billy, but when I tell you he doesn't have – I mean, if he stands on a range, I mean, he's got the least amount of talent of just about anybody that's out there. If there's a tour event, I mean, he's got, he's got nothing. I mean, there's no reason yeah. for him to win. That dude won a FedEx Cup. Like, and he thinks, he literally thinks he is the greatest player walking. And then if somebody overlooks him, I mean, he went to University of Florida on a book scholarship. He was a walk on, you know, on that deal. But he took that slight yeah. and flipped it around. And then, you know, built that confidence and and got back up. I mean, that's that's what make the best. Obviously, a casual nature. What is MJ like on a golf course? I mean, very intense. I mean, I I think everything that you hear and 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 big time gambling is is true. Um, you know, but again, you know, if he loses twenty grand on a golf course, yeah, that's yeah, like two dollars. I mean, not even. I mean, it's less yeah. than that's twenty cents to you and I. I mean, so I don't think. Uh, he thinks a whole lot about it, but it's something's got to get him going, right? And if it if that means it's fifty thousand, if that means it's a million, if that means it's five hundred thousand dollars, there you go. He was disrespected. You know what struck me a little bit, and the, and the documentary was about Michael Jordan. Obviously, it was a it was it was they they started it to build it around the Bulls, but it was about Jordan. 
But you got a glimpse into the genius of Phil Jackson, Oof. the psychological genius of Phil Jackson. Here's this, here's this team that Dennis. Think about this for a minute. We've we've covered coaches. I covered Nick Saban for a little while. Dennis Rodman leaves in the middle of the Eastern Conference Finals and skips a practice and goes to a wrestling event and wrestles and the whole deal and then comes back and plays. You know there was a part of Phil Jackson that seethed, but there also was a part of him that said, it's okay, I got, I got this. How many coaches would have had the the emotional and intellectual wherewithal to ride that wave to its conclusion and and not blow up and turn it into something even bigger inside the team dynamic than you know it, it was because you know it was something they were all talking about. Yeah, and and, and I think to, you know, to your point, it's going to take a mature coach, someone that's comfortable in their own skin. But you know, so think about the alternative. That's how he was. Uh, uh, you know, to your point, what a genius he was that he sat there, he knew that he wanted to do that, right? He knew he wanted to leave. Um, what was the alternative? To say no, and then you're done. I mean, yeah, the you freak, yeah, you freak him out. Yeah, uh, so it's not like him leaving was an ideal. Like, it, it, that that sucked. I mean, I'm sure he was going, and he was having heartache no matter what he says, but it was better than the alternative of, oh, stuff's about to hit the fan. Yeah, Jordan made a great comment. He was actually on a golf course. It was right before the finals, the, not the finals, but the playoffs began in 98. And Jordan's teeing up. It's him and Ron Harper and some dudes. And Jordan makes a comment that Phil understands we needed a day off. And, you know, he said a lot of other coaches would have had us practicing today and we'd be a lot of pissed off players. And to me, you go back and look at Phil Jackson's career and people go, oh, well, he benefited from having great players. And there's no doubt. You're obviously better with a great player you're going to win more golf championships with great golfers than you are shitty golfers. But look at the egos that he managed over the course of his career. He, he, he managed Michael Jordan. He managed a Scottie Pippen who was underpaid and knew it. He managed Dennis Rodman. He managed Kobe Bryant. He managed Shaquille O'Neal. He managed Kobe Bryant when Kobe Bryant was pissed off at Shaquille O'Neal for being out of shape. He managed Kobe Bryant post-Shaquille O'Neal remarkable i mean really remarkable at how much of an absolute genius he he was his understanding of the human psyche his understanding of the absolute highest level of athlete and being able to get the most out of them being able to drive them to the to the brink but not push them over to me that that's someone said what would you like to have seen more of i'd like for them to go back now okay let's do this a phil jackson thing and I'm all in on, on Michael because Michael's the GOAT. But now that we've done that and we understand him better, I'd love to have more of the Phil Jackson footage to understand exactly what it was that he dealt with over those years. And, and as a coach, I mean, that's what I watch you know, a lot of as well. So I'm glad you really said that. And, you know, it's like people ask me all the time, and listen, I'm not comparing being a college golf coach to Phil Jackson managing the Bulls. But, it is, but, it, you know, but, but managing people is managing it's people. Man, it's managing people. And, you know, people like, you know, we'll have a terrible round of golf. And think about it. I'm coaching, you know, when, when we're at a tournament, five 18 to 22-year-olds playing golf. I mean, first of all, they're 18, 22-year-olds. I don't know. What's gonna happen? I mean, I didn't know what I was gonna do on a day to day basis. Well, and you're more psychologist 18. than coach, right? Time. And then, and then, especially in the game of golf. So, I yeah. mean, 
you walk to the golf course, you talk about stressful, you don't know what's going to happen, good or bad, anything, you know, so you get out there, but, you know, we'll have a bad round of golf and, you know, people go, you know, I'll get home that night or, or you know, and, and, and I'll get texts from people and say, whoa, I don't even want to know what you said to the guys tonight. I'm like, man, I hugged them. <laughs> like, I did, you know, listen, I'll, I'll have my guys' asses a lot. That wasn't the time. Like, it wasn't, you know, after they had a bout around the golf. Now, if they made a bunch of terrible decisions and you know, acted like jerks on the, you know, golf course, then you know, may have something to talk about. But if they went out and just, just didn't you know, play well, just didn't play well, right? I mean, maybe it's basketball and because it could you know, be, a, it could be it. a girlfriend thing. It could it, be something happening at home. It, it could be just, hey, I woke up in just, a bad mood, or, or you just missed a bunch of shots. Yeah, right? I mean, and it, and it doesn't yeah. have to be us. Like, it'd be a quarterback. If you have a quarterback that you know comes off and. He's tried. He's practiced hard all week. He's doing the right things, making the right reads, just didn't make the throw. Are you yell at him? Like, I don't know. I mean, the best coaches I've ever been around in my life, you know, they know, to your point, to go, okay, I mean, I got a time. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, the hardest I am ever on my team is after a really good round of golf. And it may be after some of the best rounds of golf, you know, just to get kind of get their attention back and whatever. But, but after – you know, they just didn't have a good day. You know, no matter what sport it was, I mean, that's that's not when you want to get them. And Phil was just the best of the best at that. Yeah, he was he was he was a genius at it. It was, and you know, and this this documentary was just Jordan. You didn't even see the the Kobe stuff, the Shaq stuff. That there's a lot there. It's just remarkable what people say. You know, well, anybody could have won with Jordan. Well, he was the only one that did. People say, well, anybody could win with Kobe. Well, he was the only one that did. Did you guys see the uh, you know, stuff going around social media today with Carl Malone? Like the, I did. the post interview deal. Yeah, he had a cigar. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was awesome. Did you see that? I hadn't seen this. No, no, no. It was great. You know, they, so it, it was part of the interview, but they didn't show it. They didn't put it on the last dance, and he's got a cigar, and he, he looks like you would think Carl Malone would you know, mm-hmm. look like right now. Big beard. And, and they said, What comes to your mind when I say Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan? And the you know the and the you know four guys going, okay. So was it be competitor? He goes, I, no. Michael Jordan played for the Bulls. And the guy's sitting there. He goes, man, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like I, yeah. He goes, he goes, take me back to that. Tell me about that game six. And he said, why? Why should I? <laughs> and it, it was awesome. It yeah. Was, and so he found, but he gets it out of him. He says, he says, you know. I never thought of it as playing Michael Jordan. I thought of it as playing the Chicago Bulls. And that's a glimpse into Carl Malone. Look, I, I grew up in North Louisiana. I watched Carl Malone's college career in person. Carl Malone was a badass. Right. Carl Malone was a stud. So that's what made him good. Yeah. And so when he's on the floor, he and John Stockton, they're not looking at Michael Jordan going, oh my God, that's Michael Jordan. No, they're. they're they're this close. Carl Malone doesn't look back at it and go, well, I lost to Jordan. He looks back at it and goes, I was right there, and I, I didn't get it done. I'm man enough to admit that I didn't get it done. And you realize that's one of the things that struck me about the documentary. Charles Barkley, greater than anyone gives him credit for. Reggie Miller, an absolute freak of a player. Uh, and An offensive genius, a guy who could score at will, who could put up 15 points in two minutes and get red hot and take over an NBA game. And then Carl Malone, John Stockton. If you take Michael Jordan out of that era, just change one thing, the butterfly effect of just let Michael Jordan go be a baseball player instead of playing basketball. 
We view Stockton and Malone so differently today. We view Reggie Miller so differently today. We don't just view probably Reggie Miller as great shooter. We view him as champion. It's amazing what a title means for a legacy and how many people Michael Jordan deprived of a title. I mean, Patrick Ewan probably gets one over he that He absolutely stretch. gets yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean. That John Starcy, yeah, that – you know, that they would yeah. have a little run. Yeah, yeah the right. Knicks would have had a run, and and you know who knows what Houston's run would have been. It's just yeah, Jordan was he just single handedly put a team, but it was more than him though. It was Pippen, and I mean Steve Kerr was a great player, and 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 Harper was one of the best Harper, defenders in the history yeah, of the Harper game. Was great. I mean I think that was he's probably one of the more underrated guys there. And, and they went from Horace Grant to a, a lull where they didn't win to Dennis Rodman, where you had a defensive rebounding guy. It was, it was there was more to. There was more to the Bulls than just Jordan. It was, I don't know, but from a, I'll tell you what, I, I think if we end up getting back to normal from a sports standpoint and this fall we have college football, we have the NFL and baseball in some shape, form, or fashion, and maybe the NBA finishes and this made-for-TV kind of a deal, I do think we'll look back as sports fans and say, that Jordan documentary, those five weeks, that was a hell of a bridge. It kind of gave us something. It's it's made a lot of people feel good. Well, I'll tell you this: my son's thirteen, and on Sunday night at ten o'clock, he came down. And now Carson loves the NBA. He's up there with the Zion Williamson jersey on right now. He came down and said, "Dad, that was awesome." <laughs> And I thought, how cool was that, that there's this generation of 13, 14, 15-year-old kids out there that never saw Jordan play. They got to see that, and they're like, oh, I get it now. Well, and, you know, it's the media trope of, okay, now who do you want to see? It's like, no, it was Jordan. Like, that that, that was that was the perfect person. Like, okay, maybe Tiger Woods if he talked. Like, otherwise, yeah, sure, there, there's, not a, no. there, there's nobody else that's that compelling. There are not a list of 25 that you go, hey, give this treatment no, no, to. No, no, there's not 25 This is Jordan treatment. Yeah. I mean, Jordan's Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, Babe Ruth, yeah. Lou Gehrig, Jackie Robinson, Kobe. I mean, we're talking we're talking ten people. I mean, yeah. in the history of sport that are that compelling, that oh, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they, I mean, people here. Tom Brady's not one of them. As much as he's one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, someone said we're going to do a Tom Brady documentary. I'm like, I'll pass. Yeah. I mean, we're going to do a Kobe documentary. In you, you're going to do Tiger. We're going to get true Tiger. All in. So who are you doing it? I mean, for the NFL, who? I mean, who? Who? who would I don't do think that? there is a human right now, like active at least. I mean, you could gotta be. Uh, well, oh, oh, it doesn't have to be active, but I mean, in the history. I, I, I mean, a, a guy that would be really good if he would. Re- Brett Favre be p- no, compelling. Peyton Manning. You think Peyton has had a? There's enough there. If you got raw with Peyton, really? Yeah, if you could get raw with Peyton and let and and see just how much some of the losses to the Patriots killed him, the way that he drove himself, the way that, the way it, that. Football from an early age was was just his defining thing. That yeah, he's got the genes, right? He's got the he's got the last name that that may have that. But isn't it amazing that the loser of all those head to head battles? But you know, between him and Tom Brady, yeah, w- would probably be the more compelling deal. And I agree. With oh, this is good actually uh, on our live stream. Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, yeah, and someone else says Barry Sanders. I'd be in on Barry Sanders. With here's what's interesting with Jordan. They left his personal life out, and I didn't care. Yeah, yeah. If you were to give me the Peyton Manning story, I'd want the personal life. Mm-hmm. How did how did being you impact your marriage? Impact like I'd love to hear Olivia because there's this you know it's 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 
it's considered sort of a we don't know whether it's mythical or fable or whether it's real where Olivia Manning was upset when Peyton Manning chose Tennessee because she was afraid that her son chose a football factory and that he would go be a football robot and what she really wanted for him in college was to go to college and maybe kind of have Eli's experience where you had a few beers and you know some girls chased you around and after a while you settled into football and you played and stuff but she didn't want him to go be a a football robot and I'd love to get to the truth of that is that true or did you really think that way about your 18 year old kid I mean I'd love to know some of those things he would be he would be interesting but I mean, here's the thing. We talked about this with baseball. Is there a single player in Major League Baseball today that you would watch a documentary about? No. 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 We're, we're, talking about, like, we're struggling to come up with one in the NFL, so certainly. And see, and, and I could do this with current NBA players. Who would you watch a documentary of? I could name five that I'd be interested in. Well, true. I mean, I think with Kevin baseball, Durant. You know, unfortunately, the only thing with baseball. If you if I went back and picked somebody, it would go back to for all the wrong reasons. It'd be a Mark McGuire. Well, that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. They're doing the Sosa McGuire thing from from ninety. Was it ninety eight? I didn't even know. I'd, yeah. Okay. I mean, I'd so, be I in mean, on Ken Griffey. Yeah, Griffey. But but again, we're we're talking. Yeah. We're not talking current players. That's where Major League Baseball's failed to market their current players. Yeah, that's, that's in ten point. years. Will people care about a Bryce Harper win? I don't know. Probably not, based on what we're looking at right now. Wow. Who? Yeah. I mean, so Bryce is with the Phillies now. Yeah. Yeah. I had to think about that. That's how bad. I mean, like, I mean, I, th- I think ESPN is doing a Tiger one this weekend, but he's not involved in it. It's completely. I mean, person. I, I, I mean, I know I'm a Cubs guy, but think about this for a minute. In the '80s, if the Cubs had had Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, and they'd won a World Series, these two really good-looking, smart, articulate, funny. Uh, good dudes they'd be superstars and they're stars don't get me wrong but you wouldn't list chris bryant or anthony rizzo as one of the top 20 celebrities in 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 major american sports 30 years ago they'd have been in the top five they'd have been superstars. i mean think andre dawson was a superstar back then yeah i mean i mean i mean it's it's, a guy it's it's amazing how much that sport has failed to market itself yeah Mm -hmm. that's a really good point so when you uh when you think any of your stuff resumes, you have any idea? As we're kind of closing. Again, I I have no clue. I mean, I yeah, I know that I think we made a you know positive step in the right direction of the, of the things we're starting to hear this week, and hopefully getting football back um you know sooner than later. Uh, and then you know here's a good part about our sport. You know we don't normally uh you know come back until the week before school, and we don't mm-hmm. start until the first week of school anyway. So um. If there's one coach that's probably overly not stressed about it, uh, it's me. You got some not, time. Yeah, exactly. We have time. My guys are out. They're they're going to spend the next couple of months, you know, playing golf tournaments and uh, and uh, doing what they do every single summer. I mean, I think our our point of stress right now is hoping that they have you know some of these amateur tournaments to play in throughout the summer and and uh, that is a good point. You're the one sport that stayed legal this entire time. So yeah, they right. can't like you know even in baseball, I was you know talking to people and they said, "Well, it depends what state you're in whether they can get out and throw it around or whatever." But for the most part, golf courses have been open. I mean, be smart, but they could still practice and play and have a normal a normal existence. All of our guys and uh, you know knock on wood, you know, if 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 had their golf courses open, they've been fine. You know, we we have a a kid back in uh, in Finland um you know, they're just now getting to the point. Okay. But uh, even my kid in Thailand, he said, you know, course is open back up you know, really? a couple of weeks back. And, 
you know, there's, so there's a sense of, of normalcy there. Um, no, they'll be fine. It'll be good. We're not worried about it. We'll go when they tell us to go and you get football rolling. All jokes aside, when did, uh, how long did it take to kind of get out of that routine and not being like, Hey, I'm not going to the office. We're not playing. I mean, cause it had to, it had to take a little while to settle down, didn't it? It's, it was the most bizarre thing that you could ever imagine. Right. I mean, so I think for me, the first thing was, Oh boy, I need to, you know, worry about my guys and getting them back and, you know, back home safely. We have, as I mentioned, a kid from Thailand, a kid from Finland. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. was my first train of thought. So we got them, you know, sent off on maybe a Monday and, uh, and, you know, so they're on the way back home, they get back home. And then you saw, you know, we're such a creature habit, you know, in our deal that, um, you know, Keith said, uh, okay, you, you can work from home, right? You're going to be forced to work from, you know, from home and about a week or so, but you can work from home. So I think I had to ease into that and, and maybe I just went into the office or even drove out to the office when I couldn't get into <laughs> the office for about another week. I mean, literally I would, I would take off and go. And the gates were closed at the golf course, and I'd look at the gates, and then, <laughs> and, then, and then drive around a little bit, and and then you know come back home. My wife would go, "Where were you? The office? I thought you said it was closed. It was. It was. I just wanted to confirm that it was closed. I mean, I wanted to make sure it was closed. And uh, the hard part for me is in our sport, uh, and I'm not saying to feel sorry for me because you know there are a lot of people with a lot bigger problems, but um, you know, r- you know, right now we're just so used to recruiting, and we do have some free time, you know, usually in the summer, but we're, we're going to recruit about you know, 30 days at least, um, you know, in the summer and we got nothing. I mean, like it's, you're just kind of going through the motions and it's not like we until June 15th in our sport, we can't even call 2022 prospects. So the guys that were able to recruit like eligible class wise, we can't even call. So Mm -hmm. Pretty bored. Again, goes back to the cooking and the cooking. And I, the, I better be good at cooking. The cheating the on the grill. Well, yeah. you're gonna be really good I, with that one. I better Dang, be, Chris. If I'm not, like I'm really giving up. That's fair. You'll be wanting the egg again in like 18 months. You'll be like, hey, this is too boring. Just too. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not big for challenges in that deal. Like <laughs> I said, I, I got no surprises in my life. <laughs> Shoot, I'll, I'll take easy. Okay, good enough. I uh, appreciate Ashley from uh, from Cast Wines. Obviously, uh, Grove is the promo code for that one to uh, to purchase some if you're in an area where you uh, you can do that. This will be uh, the Friday podcast where most people are listening to it as well. And then we'll be back uh, next week. More more interviews. Still probably some some in studio stuff. Is normalcy is beginning to kind of return a little bit. Thank goodness. So we uh, we have that. But we appreciate Chris. Appreciate Ashley for giving us a little bit of time today. And we'll talk to you again very 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 soon